0: Welcome back to Marshy's Corner brought to you by Summit Heights Club. Before we get into today's podcast, I would just like to ask for you to please like subscribe follow share all those things. Uh, I'm always grateful for all the support I get uh, for this and and yeah just want to keep keep pushing us pushing this thing forward um but yeah let's get into the podcast. today's podcast uh, I got a few little topics. I thought I'd just dive in on. Uh, I've got my post-state of origin reaction, uh, why we should all be on the Australian Boomers going into these Olympics, and uh, a bit of a Chris Paul legacy question. Something I've been thinking while I've been watching the the NBA finals. Uh, but let's start off with the post-state of origin reaction. We're a few days past, and uh, yeah, I've just... As I do, I just think about a lot of sports. So, uh, these are just some of the things I've been thinking about. Um, there's been a lot of talk about how good this New South Wales side is. Uh, are they the best origin team ever? Um, which is a little bit disrespectful after, you know, the 2006 to 2017 Queensland team. Um, but yeah, are they the best queen uh, origin team ever? How long are they going to keep winning for? All these things. And, uh, I guess there is a case to be made for New South Wales dominating the next 10, however many years. Um, It's got young talent in every position uh, and there's depth to all those positions as well. Um, From fullback centers, they don't even have their best centers playing at center. They've got their best fullbacks playing at center. Um, Outside backs, all the wings. In the halves, like they dropped, they lost Luai and Cleary and they brought in... uh, Mitchell Moses and Jack Whiten, which is just ridiculous. Like Queensland obviously doesn't have that sort of depth. Um, like the fact that someone like Jack Whiten, who was the daily M award winner last year, basically have no impact on this series, uh, playing a few minutes off the bench for new South Wales is ridiculous when he, he would have been one of our focal points, uh, as a Queensland fan. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the depth and the yeah just the outside backs the talent i can understand why people look at it and go well like how are these guys gonna lose um but I, let me make a case for queensland uh last year queensland we were labeled the worst team in origin history and that was going into the series we obviously ended up ended up winning so that's that's the the first thing, like this group of guys that we have, they're only going to get better. You got guys like Reese Welsh. We are missing Kalen Ponga. You've got uh, Walker from the Roosters, obviously coming through. The, there's all these younger guys. Tino's just getting better and better. There's no reason why the gap isn't going to decrease between Queensland and New South Wales. Um, this year, everything that could have gone wrong for Queensland did go wrong. We had injuries in the lead up to the series we had injuries the day the day before games we had ineligible ineligibility uh players being told they can't play because they're not allowed uh the day before a game we had hias at the start of games we had all these things everything that could have gone wrong for queensland like it was already going to be a tough series for us everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong uh that's not going to happen every year um we the the impact that Kalen Ponga had in that third game his is so it's not talked about enough. Like we were missing him for the first two games when we got thumped. The way he's confident under the high ball, the way he starts our sets, his ability to pop up, like he's just better than Valentine Holmes and AJ Brimson at basically everything, and in that second game having valentine Holmes at the back there was a lot of points that went missing where i think if it was Kalen ponga there some of those some of those opportunities we had they they probably turn into points and then that changes the complete second game like we just couldn't score uh and i think if Kalen pong is at the back there things are a whole lot different um I think we found a gem in in the Hammer from North Queensland. He he was really good, and we actually played a center in the center position. Capewell got uh, a little bit found out in those first two games. He obviously did a good job last year against Gutherson, but um, you throw him against Trebojevic, and it was a bit of a different story. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think Hammer's going to be someone that we can look at for the next little while. Um, that other center spot's probably still Gagai's. It's kind of weird that center used to be our position. You have guys like Inglis and Hodges and Will Chambers. You never really have to worry about that spot. Um, but now we can't find any. Uh, but hopefully we've found one in, in Um But I think the biggest thing with sports is it's never as good or as bad as it seems. Uh, like, it's it's not as... Whatever New South Wales fans think they have right now, it's not as good as they think it's going to be. And whatever doubtful Queensland fans think that this is going to be a really bad 10 years or whatever, it's not as bad. It's probably not going to be as bad as you think. If you look at the history of sports, I mean, I, mean, I guess the, the two sports I watch the most are, are basketball and rugby league. If you look at all the overreactions... Over the last since I've started following sport. There was LeBron and Chris Bosch joining Wade in Miami. It was not one, not two, not three, not seven championships. They won two out of four. Then you have when Steve Nash went to the Lakers and and so did Dwight Howard. And it was how is anyone gonna beat this team? And they barely scraped into the playoffs. And Kobe obviously that was the year he did his Achilles, but um they didn't look like they were going to go all that deep into the playoffs. Uh, there's been other teams. There was the, the Warriors getting Kevin Durant. It was like, well, how, who's ever going to beat these guys? And then, you know, a team goes on a run and they have injuries and all of a sudden they get beaten by a, a, maybe the worst finals winning team in the, Toronto's Rap- in the Toronto Raptors of all time. Um, no disrespect to the Toronto Raptors there. But there's just multiple occasions where people overreact to this team is never going to lose and it happens there's no reason why in the next year two years Queensland is the team that's a bit more lucky with injuries Queensland finds a gem it always happens you find someone you know walk over at the Roosters we're we're looking at who's going to replace Cherry Evans at halfback that that's a that's a red hot he's like walker's gonna have a red hot crack he's gonna get a little bit better, bigger a little bit better in defense but that that's an option that's going to be there and and he's played some really great footy this year like nothing's as ever bad or as good as it seems so um i guess if you want to if you want to talk about instances for that in rugby league like there's only been three teams that have gone back to back since uh, I'm trying to remember the year, the years, but there was the, um, the 92, 93 Broncos. They went back to back. There's the 97, 98 Roosters. And there was another, sorry, 97, 98 Broncos. And then there was the 18, 19 Roosters. Those are, that's the only teams that have gone back to back in the NRLs in like the more modern era. Um, since obviously having a lot bigger pool of teams and, and whatnot, it just doesn't happen like it's very hard to win at the highest level and and these teams it it's it's like i said it's just never going to be as good or as bad as it seems and i think queensland's going to be fine um the the probably prime example of a team that was as good as it seemed and uh, or as bad as it was for new south wales was that queensland side that won 10 out of 11 series um uh, from 2006 onwards and but the one thing that people forget about that, people think that we just dominated all those years. Some of those series came down to final moments and it could have easily swung New South Wales way. Like it could have easily been 7-4 to Queensland over those years instead of 10-1. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's just my little thought about State of Origin. I, I, I think that the next few years are going to be really fun. I think Queensland has a young group of guys that we're going to be able to get around speaking of getting around I just loved how much Kalen Ponga was around the boys like his energy what he brought to that Queensland team was um was a lot of fun and we've just got to find people that can match that energy um hopefully you know Munster next year isn't still uh just feeling the effects of his off season (laughs) after having such a great year last year he really hasn't played the footy we know he can and and I think by next year, he's he's going to be playing a little bit differently. You'd hope as well. So, a, a informed monster. You get a Caelan Ponger in there. Harry Grant comes back from injury. People recognize that Ben Hunt is really good and should have just been the number 14 from the start. Like, his ability to just push a team up through the middle of the field is... So good, and his, his you can throw him into the middle and defensively he's going to be fine, which is something that we were lacking with A.J. Brimson. I don't really know where A.J. Brimson fits into this Queensland side when he's healthy, but um, but he actually played all right at centre in that third game. So maybe there's, there's we can look at him at centre and push Gagai to the wing who always plays really well out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not too scared about this New South Wales team. That's my biggest point from this. Um, moving on to my next topic, why we should be all in on the boomers at the Olympics. Uh, this boomers team is a legit shot at gold right now, which is super exciting. We've never won a medal. The men's team has never won a medal. And, uh, we are going to give it a red hot crack down in Tokyo, I think, um, if we get anything less than silver, I think that's a, that's a disappointment to us going into, into these exhibition games. It was like, surely we, this is the year we get a, get a medal. Surely we at least get a bronze. Um, but I, I think bronze is too low. I, I, and I guess I'm going to talk about why that is, but, um, the, the stars have just kind of aligned for the boomers. Uh, both in in our camp and outs and externally as well. Like in our camp, we have this array of talent, and it all just fits really well. Like there's no there's no. Oh, we have these two guys, but they set play a similar position. They play a similar way. Um, everyone fits into the team perfectly. Uh, no one's toes are being stepped on. There's no egos being hurt. It seems to be that we have the perfect set of skill skilled individuals to put together a team that's very formidable that plays well together um that plays egoless and and that doesn't always happen Uh, like i don't know how many times you can just yeah every four years the olympics come around and it's like oh we have the perfect group of guys with the perfect skill sets so that that's the that's the first thing that's aligned for us and then the other thing to aligned for us is Spain's old. Like they're not the team they would have been the last two, three Olympics. <clears throat> uh, Argentina's old. The, like Louis Scholar at 40 years old. I, I don't know how much he's going to be able to carry a team through the Olympics and he's still their best player. Um, U- <laughs> USA's a mess. Uh, they just brought in JaVale McGee. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I, a lot of people in the U S are really confused by their team. Um, they aren't built very well for an international game. And I understand that they're super talented. If you were to do a draft, if you're doing a basketball draft and you were to take Spain, you would take USA, you would take Australia, take those top teams and you were to draft their players. You probably draft their starting five first, their bench, a whole bunch of players off their bench next. Like, but the team just doesn't really fit. Uh, they're depleted. Like they don't they don't have the LeBrons. They don't have the Stephs. They don't have the, like James Harden. They don't have those guys. They, they obviously have Kevin Durant, who in my opinion is the best pl- basketball player in the world, but they just have these guys that I don't think they're going to work together. Um, they're a very ISO heavy team from point guard, all the way through to all their forwards, um, their centers aren't, which I think is smart. I can understand why they picked their bigs the way they did. You've got Bam and you've got Draymond, and those guys are guys that can kind of spread the court. Like Bam, Bam can obviously spread the court. He's able to shoot from outside a little bit. Uh, his def- both Bam and and Draymond are really good defensively, um, and yeah, both have their own little way of kind of creating for others. Draymond more of like a point forward. Um, and but they didn't they didn't really lean into that from what I watched of them they like guys like Lillard and Kevin Durant and Tatum it's kind of like oh it's your turn to bring the ball up um if I was USA I'd be going look sorry everyone's egos aside but Draymond's gonna bring the ball up off of rebounds and he's gonna push our tempo and he's gonna be our playmaker and Draymond might could be like that Jason Kidd uh from 2000 and 2008 where Kidd didn't take a shot until like the first round of the final of the you call it the finals? I don't know what you call it in the Olympics. Uh, but Kid was just there as a facilitator and a defender. And I think that's what they need. They need to find someone. Like that's that's what Della Vidova is for Australia. USA kind of needs that guy because at the moment they kind of bring the ball down and it's just ISO, 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 which is good for us because it's really easy to defend. And um, not only is it the best team they could have taken away and it's very ISO heavy. The The way the international game is played makes it tough on those isolation players. The court's smaller, so there's a lot less room to operate. You're able to kind of help. Help defense is easier in the international game because the court's smaller. You're also allowed to play. that You've also got the defensive. There's no defensive three-second violation, so you can just sit, sit people in the keyway. You don't have to constantly be hopping in and out, so there's nowhere near as much space. So all these players that get away with isolation, moves and taking people off the dribble and and whatever else like they're just not as effective and the other thing is international basketball super physical like you saw how much they were getting frustrated against nigeria so how much they were getting frustrated against australia because international referees they just allow a lot more contact and uh the team usa you're not always going to have american refs i don't know i just think they're going to get super frustrated um with the team that they've put together. Cause the ball's not going to move a lot. It's going to be a lot of your turn, my turn. And and I think they're going to be easy to defend in the sense of they're not going to get whatever they it's going to turn into them taking a lot of long contested shots. And obviously they have the ability to make them. But then when you've got these teams coming at you moving the ball and and getting like the way the way Australia picked them apart. Um, in the exhibition game, a lot of screens getting just slipping off screens, getting wide open layups. Um, you're not really seeing that from USA right now. Uh, and the other thing that comes, that benefits other teams that's coming up against America, all these Americans, like they play in the NBA and they play in this massive court. The court's wider, the three point lines bigger, and they're obviously very impressive shooters because they make, they make those threes from a longer distance compared to the rest of the world. But then when you bring that court in and threes are still just worth three, like like Lillard can pull up from wherever he wants. It's still only worth three points. But the, on the other end, these international teams, they are now shooting, they're not shooting these long, long threes. So it's easier to be a good three-point shooter in the international game. And threes are what keep you in games. So if you're ever a team that's versing someone that's better than you, you can come out and go, hey, we're going to put up 43s in this game and if we shoot a decent percentage of them we're going to be in the game at the end and that's what everyone that comes up against team usa can do they can just jack up threes it's obviously a lot closer they're not they're not hoisting up these nba threes it's international threes and you see guys like aaron baines from australia like he becomes like quite a good shooter at the international level just because the line's short the three-point line's closer um so these are, these are all reasons why I feel like Team USA could be in for a tough time. Um, but it's not just because I think Team USA is going to struggle that Australia has a great shot. This team is actually just really good. Uh, we've never had a team... This is the most talented team we've taken away on the offensive end, but we've also never had a team so good defensive, defensively, especially on the wings. Like we've always had Andrew Bogut um, kind of locking up our middle and like he's like a legit defensive NBA center, um, like world-class defensive center, but we've lost that. But Aaron Baines is, is still really good, but we have these wings now. Like we've got uh, Mat- uh, Matisse Thibel. He He's just a game changer for us. Watching him in our game against Argentina and U.S., oh, my goodness, his ability to, to defend, like, almost all the positions, like, he could probably defend almost one to four at, at the international level and be the just easily the best defender on the court. And he was just disrupting the U.S. in all kinds of ways, and he was guarding so many different people um, and doing just just a hell of a job on him. And then he's just so athletic on the break, like we actually have someone you can just you can throw lobs to. He's getting out. He's running. Like I, I don't. I'm trying to think of a guy that's as athletic of a wing as Matisse Thybul that we've had play for us, and I can't. I can't think of it. And so, apologies if there was someone that does come close, but I don't think there is. And then he can obviously shoot the three ball. So we've got the three and D, uh, the three and D guy who's just elite. Like he's elite. Uh, Dante Exum is just so quick on his feet. He just stays in front of everyone. I was super impressed in the USA game. Like, yeah, he was up against, I want to say he was guarding Bradley. There was one defensive play where he was on Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard, one of the quick guards, and they put a move on him and he just stayed in front and um, kind of forced the guy to change direction and he led him straight to, to one of our bigs. And... Um, I th- I just thought it was a a very promising moment where I go, man, you got Thibault and you got you got this guy Exum who's just so fast and I understand things haven't worked out for him super well in the NBA, but he's like a legit talent still and he's so athletic. Um, and he's also kind of he can kind of just go get himself a bucket too, especially in transition like he's so quick going downhill and he really puts a lot of pressure on like teams defenses setting up because he's he's just crossing half court so quick um and his his first step and trying to stay in front of him looks like a nightmare uh the shot's obviously not great but um we have a lot of good shooters around him so uh i think he's going to play a really big role in our in our trip to tokyo um and you mix those guys in with the likes of delhi Uh, Ingalls, Baines, just really tough guys that can play smart defense, gritty defense. Um, our team defense is going to look really good. And it looks like everyone's bought in on the defensive end. Um, I haven't even talked about their offense yet. Like, their offense is what's really just super exciting. It's so much fun to watch. Um, the team gets so much confidence off the back of obviously our leaders, Patty Mills. He's led the Olympics in scoring before. Um, he just has like zero fear in these big games and, and you don't let his role in the Spurs fool you. Like he is like a legit scoring talent. Um, he's just so deadly. He's got this green light, but he's super unselfish at the same time, but he understands what his role is. And he like, th- this is what I mean by Australia has these defined roles. Like, Paddy Mills, like, that's the guy. Like, we want Paddy to score 30 every single game. And everyone on the team wants Paddy to score 30. Like, they're constantly looking for him. But then at the same time, like, Joe Ingles is highly confident in his in his offensive ability. Like, he he's a bit of a go-go gadget, like, can do a little bit of everything for us. um Dele is just this willing – like, yeah, he's, he plays great defense, and he's just this willing passer. Like, I, th- I talked about it before, I think, where, like – Jason Kidd, the year, that 2008, like he came in and he just didn't even take a shot. Delhi, uh, Delhi's obviously looked for his shot a little bit, but for the most part, he's just looking for these guys. He's looking for Ingles. He's looking for um, Paddy. He's looking for Fireball. And he's just such a willing passer. And then he just goes and plays great defense. Um, Aaron Baines is just a monster. He sets just these massive screens. Like no one wants to get hit by a... By, um, Aaron Bain's screen, and then obviously in the international game, that three-point line gets even shorter for him. And what he hits from the baseline in the NBA, he's also hitting from the top, or the or the 45s in this international game. Um, I like Landell. Uh, I, I always say his name wrong, but he's just super skilled. Um, that other big. Um, oh, I want to shout out Nick Kaye, who's played – he played so good against Team USA. Um, I listened to this podcast, Ryan Rossillo, American. Uh, he likes talking to NFL and NBA, mostly NBA. I really like him a lot, but I was listening to his podcast the other day and he's like, oh, I don't really care about international games. Duh, 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 duh. And then he's like, I did watch the Australia, the RC. He's like, I did watch the RC versus USA game. Uh, and he was talking about some of our players <laughs> and – um he was listing off Patty Mills, Joe Ingalls, Dela Vadova. and he's like, Oh, they're number Australia's number fifteen. And he was kind of like kind of being I felt like he was being rude. He was being a bit disrespectful to Nick uh, to Nick K, our number fifteen. Uh yeah, it was bloody disrespectful. Australia just gave his country the business and Nick Kay was awesome and he was salty about it. Call him by his by his name. Thanks for I <laughs> I know you're a fan of the podcast. Um who are, I love Bubbles. Bubbles is just one of my favorite players like to watch ever in any level of basketball. No one has such a green light. Um and I was a little bit surprised when he made the team because he's not a great defender. But they seem to hide him pretty well and and he's such a good shot create like shot maker that if, if you can hide him defensively and then you're fine having him on the court because he can just go off. Um, but what makes us really hard to guard as a team isn't just our extremely talented group of individuals. And like I can safely say this is the most talented group we've ever taken to the Olympics, at least on paper. But it's just our constant movement our unselfishness, unselfishness, our high IQ players, our ability to work off the ball screens. Uh, like, the yeah, just the amount of wide open layups and threes we got against Team USA, just we're hard to guard. We have so many options and we're just so smart. Like, all of the players we have, like Patty, Joe Ingles, delhi they're just, like, high IQ guys. Um, they're high IQ guys in the NBA, let alone, like, this international level. Um the team just plays extremely hard. They're talented. Yeah. High IQ, unselfish. They're so about the fellas. They're so Australian. They're such an Australian team. Like they're just around the guys. Joe Ingalls is talking a whole bunch of shit. Patty Mills is so passionate about Australia and his culture and where he's from. And it's just so much fun. Uh, I really just encourage everyone to just watch watch them. Go back and watch the games on KO against Team USA. Like You'll see how much fun they are and then just get around them for the Olympics because I really think we're going to be getting a medal out of them uh, and I'm really hoping it's gold. And if it is gold, no one should be surprised because they're a really good team. Um, I obviously, my last podcast, I had Boomer's manager uh, Junior Albert on. And he talked about just the intensity of these trainings. Like they were training in LA, they've trained in Vegas and how many people have commented on like, this team is really special. Like Americans that have worked with professional sporting teams, seen professional sporting teams training in their facilities have said how special this Australian team is. So if that isn't enough for you to uh, get behind these guys, even if you're not a a basketball fan, get behind them because it's the Olympics. No one's a fan of, archery but you know we watch (laughs) we watch it get behind this australian team they're a lot of fun um but that brings me on to my last topic of the day Uh, i've been watching the nba finals um and i I had this conversation with a friend i've been thinking about it and i started thinking about it during the playoffs and i continue to think about it and it's it's going to be an open-ended question i don't have an answer to it um but if chris paul was to lose this final and retire would he get his jersey retired anywhere i asked my friend that and it kind of stumped him and he sat there he's like i don't think he does and i don't think he does either like he was obviously really fun for the hornets but not a lot of success there Uh, i know he did a lot of work in the community whether that's enough to get your jersey retired, I don't really know. The standards probably aren't that high over there, but but still. And then, and then Clippers, I mean, same deal. Uh, the standards aren't very high there either, but they underachieved. I don't know if you can award someone a jersey. I'm a massive Chris Paul fan, and that's why I was thinking about it because I think his career is underrated due to the lack of success he's had, which hasn't always been his fault. But... Not a lot of success in the Clippers. Obviously, he's definitely not getting it in Houston. And if he loses loses this final with the Suns, and if maybe they never get back there, like this has been a quite a. I, I don't I I don't ever talk about asterisks asterisks for finals and things like that. Like if they win the final, they win the final. But at the same time, the Warriors are going to be better next year. They're going to be tough to beat. The Lakers will be back. Um, Brooklyn will be healthy on the other side on the other on the east coast like there's all these teams going. like the comp is going to be way the league is going to be way tougher next year this might be his last chance and he looks a little bit injured right now Giannis is out of this world good if he loses does Chris Paul who's probably like definitely a top 30 player of all time probably even higher than that does he get his jersey retired anywhere I don't know it's kind of a fun question. Anyways, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening guys. If you're still here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I obviously the guest thing is what I really enjoy doing, but, um, sometimes there's gaps between it and I do like sports. And so I think it's a little bit fun just recording these, even if, um, everyone disagrees with everything I have to say and, (laughs) and, or doesn't find it any interesting. I'm just going to probably continue to do these just so I can even look back at them and see how dumb my opinion was or see if I actually got it right. Um, I actually had a podcast I wanted to record after Origin 1 and it was kind of what I thought would happen in Origin 2 and then I kind of chickened out. I didn't release it and um, everything I said pretty much came into fruition. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I just send it. So thanks for listening, guys. Please like, share, subscribe, all those things. Um... Yeah. Have a good one.